Can we get our Bibles out? Let's, uh, let's get a Bible. If we don't have a Bible, it would be great to have one um, as we, we meet. So Johnny uh, is at the back. He can, uh, he can hand the Bible. If anyone would like one, there we go. We've got a hand up there. Thanks, Johnny. And also, um, if you haven't got one of the Exodus um, little booklets uh, where you can make notes, they're really handy resources that um, if you would like one, uh, Rebecca's got a few that she can hand to you there. Um, so uh, that would be great. Thanks, Rebecca. Let's, uh, let's open our Bibles to Exodus 20. Uh, we're in this series uh, in Exodus, the second book in the Bible. Um, Exodus meaning kind of a, an exiting of a large group of people. And uh, that's exactly what happens here. We, we, we've gone through with Neil and, and, uh, and Ryan, I think, uh, has preached one as well, um, where we've been looking at uh, the people of Israel being freed from slavery, being freed from physical slavery uh, under the tyrant Pharaoh. And there are many messages and lessons that we can learn from this as God's people today, uh, that we as uh, God's people have been freed from spiritual slavery and that we stand as free people here today. But there's, you know, we don't just leave it at the Exodus. There's many events that happen after where we see our lives um, kind of correlate with the Israelite people. Um, and that we can, we can take so many spiritual lessons from it. So that's what we're going to be doing today. We're in Exodus chapter 20. Um, we're going to split it up. So this week I'm going to preach from one thing we can learn from this passage. And Ryan's going to take um, Exodus 20 next week. So you'll be hearing the preaching of, uh, or the reading of Exodus 20 twice. So bear with us on that. But it's important we read it twice because we can learn many different things from it. And that's what Ryan will be doing next week. But let's read it together. Let's read it. Um, if you've got uh, a Bible open, make sure you keep it open in, uh, as we go through. And let's read it. Uh, Exodus 20. Uh, the Ten Commandments. Uh, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to those, of who, to, to, those to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner, the traveler who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder 
and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God, let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So we just pray, uh, bow our heads and ask God to um, bless the the preaching of his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this uh, opportunity to open your word. I just pray as you speak today, you would open our hearts, Lord. Open our hearts to uh, the beauty and glory of yourself and your good and perfect law. And I pray that you would aid us as your people um, to live by it, uh, to, uh, to love it, but to know that you have sent your son Jesus to fulfil it for us and we can stand here as a blessed people today. Um, Father, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So, as I said just before, what we will be doing over the, the two weeks is we're going to separate this passage into two. Uh, next week, uh, Ryan is going to take us through uh, one perspective and I'll take us through the other. The two points are these. Uh, that the law of God, the Ten Commandments and all the other laws around it point to Christ. They point to Christ. And the perspective that we'll be looking at it today is the law is good and God has given us the law to make us a distinct and holy people. Um, So they're the two points that we'll be looking at and this week we'll be looking at that second point. So the law is dual-purposed, it's double-edged, it's powerful And this week, the law is good. Now, Neil took us through Exodus 19 uh, last week and where we heard that God made his presence known to the people at the foot of Mount Sinai. This is the mountain of God, the mountain where Moses approached God at the burning bush. And then God has brought the Israelites out of slavery into this mountain, Sinai, and they are at the foot of the mountain. And the people were present there. Moses went to mediate, to go between the Israelites and God. And we heard that funny story last week of how Moses had to go up and down the mountain and was laboring up and down. And he was a tired mediator. It was a difficult task for him. Now, when we sit under the preaching of the law of God, there is often an unease amongst us. Now, even though we are believers in Christ, if we are sat here as believers in Christ, there seems to be this unease sometimes when we hear the law of God, even though we know we're covered as believers and there is no guilt. And as human beings, we have shortcomings in this area. We know we do. As believers, we fall short constantly every single day. And I want us, before we approach this, and I don't want to step on Ryan's toes for next week, but let's remind ourselves of the grace in which we stand. Before we enter into this passage, before we go deeper, let's remind ourselves of the grace that Jesus Christ pours out on us this morning and every day of our lives. In Exodus 19, verse 6, let's remind ourselves of what Neil shared with us last week. It says, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God knows the shortcomings of the Jewish people. He knows the shortcomings of his chosen people and that they will fail in future. But what he says to him is mind blowing. He says to them that they will be priests and they will be his holy nation. He's covered them in his grace. He's covered them in his grace. Even before they've been given these commandments by God, he's covered them in his grace. That song that we just sang there, the hymn writer, the songwriter, 
whether it's a hymn or not, it's a song. But anyway, it was a brilliant song. It's ordered by the hymn writer. We're in one of the verses, the fir- one of the first verses, it talks about Christ covering us. And then we want to follow Christ because of what he's done for us. We must remind ourselves this morning, before we approach this law, we are covered in the grace of God. And we know as a redeemed people, as God's holy people and priests, that we have been washed and covered, covered in the blood of God's son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ was not tired, tired when he ascended that mountain for us. Uh, he was not uh, overthrown by the task that was before him. Christ ascended that hill and was crucified for us. He was a better mediator than Moses was. And Jesus' life was without blemish. See, Moses was the imperfect mediator for the people. But Christ was without blemish. He fulfilled every aspect of the law that we read out just a few seconds ago. In Romans 5 verse 2, it says, Through him, Jesus Christ, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We don't slump. We're not um, fearful before God. We stand in the grace that Christ has put us in. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, it's through Christ that we're able to stand with confidence. This, I said this morning before, this afternoon. We're able to stand before God this afternoon despite our failings. And that's what Ryan will be taking us through next week in more detail. But I think it's important before we jump into this message to be encouraged this afternoon, Christian, to be encouraged that before we even approach this passage, that as believers, we can be confident that the law does not condemn us, but that we're free, that Christ has freed us from being um, uh, accountable to the full of that law. Let's be encouraged by that this morning. And if we aren't Christians, then there's that call there, isn't there, that Christ has offered himself as a full sacrifice for you. And you can accept that sacrifice. You can call Christ into you. You can ask Christ to come into your life uh, and cover you with the righteousness, the goodness that he offers you this, this afternoon. And that, that, that gospel call is there for you. And you can accept that or you can reject that. But let's dive into the passage. Let's, let's think about the law of God and the point that we're going to look at this afternoon, that the law is good and that God has given it to us to make us distinct and holy people. Um, So the law is not an evil overlord. Let's get that straight. The law is not evil. The law is not there um, as uh, something to hang over us as God's people. It is good. It is a good law. Alfie Smith, this is a name made up of a child in classroom for safeguarding reasons. I can't give him his real name. Does not like classroom rules. Alfie often shouts out in class, because he's desperate to be heard. He hates the rules. He hates the laws of the classroom. They don't fit in with his plan of being heard and being the centre of attention. The thing is, what Alfie doesn't realise is that he's blinded to how good the laws of the classroom can be and that they'd be of immeasurable benefit uh, to both him, his classmates, uh, me, his classroom teacher, if he listened, the results of the class would be benefited and consequently the school and consequently the reputation of the school and the city. The consequences of Alfie's behaviour are huge, um, mainly for him. It's not going to affect me in the long run, but never mind. Uh, but Alfie doesn't understand how good these laws are. He doesn't understand these rules. Now, we're all too aware that 
without laws, without the laws of the land in our society, then the, the, the whole country would descend into anarchy, wouldn't it? We only have to think back to first lockdown um, and when people, everyone started to panic over toilet roll and the way that everybody treated each other uh, for a couple of rolls of Andrex. And there was me with my one-sheet kitchen roll, happy that that did the job. Uh, now, without laws, without laws, the strong exploit the weak. They exploit the weak. And the Israelites, the laws would have been words of liberation. It would have been beautiful words from God. Remember the Hebrew people, the Israelites, they've been in slavery for 400 years. Generations pass through that system of never seeing freedom in bondage and slavery. They've experienced the worst of lawlessness. And when Moses descends the mount to share these laws with the people, they would have been elated at the prospect of a society upheld by God's good law. A far cry from Pharaoh's savage regime. A point if you're writing things down. The law of God provides us with good, clear boundaries for us to flourish and be what God created us to be. Let me repeat that again if you're making notes. It provides us with good and clear boundaries for us to flourish and be what God created us to be. Matthew and Rebecca are getting married in a week and a half. Or is it, yeah, a week and a half, maybe a bit over that. And a, f- a week ago, um, we celebrated by having Matty's stag do. And we went go-karting. And uh, go-karting is an amazing event. We've done it a number of times, gone to the same track. We should get a, uh, a, a, a card that um, we can get the next one off because we've been so many times. Now, when we were on that track, the rules provided us with protection. Provided us with protection. If there are no l- rules there, there are no laws no guidance, no protection, and chaos. See, these guys who run that go-karting track, they've probably seen everything on that track. I'm pretty certain they know what works well and what doesn't work. If Ryan decides he's had enough of being at the back of everybody and turns around and drives into oncoming traffic, it ruins everything. What would ensue? Chaos would ensue. There would be physical pain as Neil clips Ryan's tyre and flies over the tyre wall. There'd be damage to property, uh, injustice to the race leader, which was me, by the way, and a punishment for Ryan, I'm sure, maybe being banned. But adherence to the rules and the flags leads to justice, fairness, enjoyment, and joy on the track for everyone. You see, these laws are good for us. The Ten Commandments, the laws that God has given us, they are good laws for the Christian. Let's not forget that. And society needs to see how much we love these laws. The law of God is certainly a pleasant place for us. In Psalm 16, David says this. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to, it's Psalm 16, verse 6. Your lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. In Psalm 119, verse 103, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey. I'm not a massive fan of honey myself, but we understand what David is saying here, that God's word, God's good law is sweet to the taste for those who love him. We want the world to see how much we love this law. It will be a far more pleasant place for us um, if everybody loved God's law. And David knew this and we should know that too. So it provides us with good and clear boundaries for us to flourish and be what God created us to be. 
And another point, if you are making notes again, it is an opportunity to be humble and recognise the authority of God. It's an opportunity for us to humble ourselves and recognise God's good authority. Right, guys. Um, submitting to the law of God for our lives is wise rather than being foolish. Now, if we, t- if we step back for a moment and take ourselves out of our own small kingdoms, which is what we do as human beings, by the way. We do that often. We, um, we create our own kingdoms. We, um, you know, we, we, we think that maybe the way that we uh, live our lives and design our lives is the way to go. And often we do that as Christians as well. We build our own kingdoms. We're kingdom makers often. And we're always prone to this, which is the first commandment, by the way. Uh, God is the creator of the universe, right? Created everything and he knows how everything works and how everything ticks over. Of course he knows what things would be best for us, yeah? So going back to that go-kart analogy when we went on that stag do um, just a few weeks ago that the lines that God draws for us are pleasant. The lines that God creates for us are pleasant places to be. And often when we create our own small kingdoms, we try and step outside those boundaries. But God, the creator of all things, knows in the Old Testament, in the book of Job, Job often asks the question of God, well, what's, what's going on here? I, I can't explain it. But God, is, he, he, he explains to Job that as being the creator of the universe and sovereignly interacting with every detail of the universe, that he, he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. Another example from the Old Testament, and this is just before the, Old Te- the, the Ten Commandments are given, but um, we'll go with it anyway. Uh, Joseph and, uh, and Potiphar's wife. So if you want to turn there, you can go to Genesis chapter 39, uh, verses 8 and 9. You see, Joseph understands that God's authority is sovereign and above his own will in his life. You see, in Genesis 39, we, know, we hear the story of where um, Joseph, he's been sent to slavery uh, by his brothers. Um, don't worry, Matty, I'd never do that to you. Um, and uh, he, ends up, he ends up rising in the, in the, the palace of Potiphar, who's, uh, you know, he's, a, he's a quite a high up fellow in, uh, under Pharaoh's rule. And uh, Potiphar's wife likes the look of, uh, of Joseph. And what happens is, uh, is this in Genesis 39, uh, where Potiphar's wife kind of pursues Joseph. But this is, what, this is what Joseph says, and what a wonderful response from Joseph. He says this, but he refused Potiphar's, offer, uh, Potiphar's wife's offer. And he said, look, he said to his master's wife, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has entrusted everything he owes to my care. No one in this house is greater than I. He has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. And this is the key bit from here. And this is what we as Christians, we should really hold on when we're thinking about the law of God, God's good law that enables us to flourish under his rule and, and loving care. How could I do such a great evil and sin against God? You see, God's will prevailed here for Joseph. He saw the goodness of God's law in a moment where he could have exercised his own free will and usurped God's authority and his law in that moment. Joseph recognises God's authority and he humbles himself to God's will. We know how that story ends. We know that Joseph is blessed by God. It doesn't look like it straight away. He ends up going into prison for uh, the way that Potiphar's wife responds. 
but he's blessed by God. He, he waits and he patiently understands that God is sovereign and in control and that God's law is good. So there's two points before we move on to our next one. Uh, God's law, it provides us with good and clear boundaries for us to flourish and be what God created us to be. And it is an opportunity for us to show humility, to humble ourselves and recognise God's good authority. Do we trust that God's law is good for us this morning? This morning, I've done it again. This afternoon, do we trust that God's law is good for us? Are we willing to recognise God's authority, that he knows what's best for us? As Christians, we struggle with that sometimes. Uh, We're prone to this all the time, maybe questioning God's good rule for us, but he knows what he's doing. He's in control. He loves us. He gives us these laws because he cares for us. He knows what's best. And then another point before we finish, just applying what we've thought about this morning. God's law makes us distinct. I've done it. I keep saying this morning. (laughs) I appreciate you laughing because it brings me back on track. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. This afternoon. There we go. Uh, The law of God makes us distinct as God's people. See, Clark Kent looks... (laughs) Clark Kent looks like any other human being when he's dressed in his civilian wear. Uh, His glasses uh, form the perfect disguise so that his wear colleagues think, uh, think that he's just one of them. But when Clark Kent steps into action, when he becomes Superman, he reveals his true identity and it's obvious to all that he is different, he's distinct... He's not like the other human beings on earth. There is something otherworldly about him. See, God is transcendent. God is outside of this world and so is his law. And we as believers have been blessed with this opportunity, with this great blessing to present the law of God in our lives to the world, to our friends, to our family, to our colleagues, whoever it is. We've got a real blessing to carry God's good law to these people. See, the law makes us distinct. It is otherworldly. And we've been called to live out God's standard for living in this better way. People are either drawn to it, people distance themselves from it. And that's the reality of God's law. God called the Hebrews, the Israelites, to be distinct as well. He wanted them to take God's glory to the nations. God's law being lived out through the Israelites provided the other tribes with a peak at the God of the universe and an invitation to join in the following of those laws and into the flourishing that the Israelites had. There's a couple of examples where we see the Gentiles being drawn to this, right? There are many Gentiles who run away from this, run away from the Israelites or or fight against them because they don't like the lives that the Israelites are living. But there are many Gentiles, non-Jews, who were drawn to this. Rahab, And Ruth were just two of those examples and they were grafted into the family of God because they loved the law of God. They saw the way the Israelites were living and they were drawn towards it. See, these Ten Commandments, they are missional statements. They're missional statements. We are to carry them and take them and live them out because they make us distinct. They make us different. Uh, They are countercultural and revolutionary not only in the society that the Israelites lived then, but today they are very much countercultural and revolutionary. See, when we cherish these commands and see them as good, they will lead us to living distinct, 
countercultural lives. And in our application, just to close, we'll go through each of these Ten Commandments. Um, and as we go through them, just as we did at the start of um, our time together, let's first remind ourselves that if you are saved, if you are loved by God, if you have been brought into the family of God, you are covered in the righteousness, the goodness of Christ. Let's remind ourselves of that this morning. And Ryan will take us through that in a bit more detail next week. But we are covered and cleansed by the life of Christ who lived this law perfectly. Not once did he fail the law. And that blows my mind every time I read the Gospels or think of my life in comparison to Christ's. That he fulfilled every element of the law to completion. Let's remind ourselves of that. that so uh, when, we, when we hear each of these laws... Let's not let guilt or shame, if we are Christ's, hang over us, but to rejoice in our saviour, Jesus Christ, to rejoice in him. And then secondly, as we read through these 10 commands again, to contemplate how these good laws that God has given or gift and given, given and gifted to us for our flourishing and protection, how we can model them in our lives for those around us and to see God's goodness through us. So I'm going to read through each of them and we won't spend long on each of them at all. I might, we might leave it just for a moment whilst I read them. Just let the spirit guide you and think, how can I uh, portray these laws? How can I portray these good commands of God in my life to those people around? And maybe there are people in your mind uh, who you know, uh, who, who want them to see the goodness of God. And the commands that God has given us are amazing ways for us to invite people in and to come and encounter the God that we love. So the first one, let me read it. You shall have no other gods before me. This is God's authority prevents people from gaining ultimate power. It's an opportunity for people to see that God is priority number one in our lives. The same is for the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself a card image. It's the same as the one we've just looked at, not to value earthly things, over the endless sovereign God of the universe. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In our lives, the divine name of God is to be revered, to be loved by us, to be distinct in this way as we speak and choose to revere the mighty name of God. To remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy, to venerate the day of the Lord, to welcome people in to the holy gathering of God's people. And whether that's on a Sunday here this afternoon or whether it's midweek or whether it's around the table to invite people in to see the goodness of God in the gathering of his people. To honour your father and your mother. Uh, this is respect for parents, parental authority. To raise our children, whether they are our bio biological children or the children that we know and love, to raise them in a way that reflects the gospel and the way that we uh, act towards our own parents as well. It's a way that reflects the gospel of God. You shall not murder and you shall not commit adultery. This is respect for humanity, that we are all made in the image of God and we are all valued. We live in a society where so many people are downtrodden. So many people are not blessed by people and you know, walk, maybe we walk past people who need love and care. Respect for humanity. We are all made in the image of God and we are all to be valued. You shall not steal. 
that the weak are protected from the greed of the powerful and you shall not covet your neighbor's uh, house. Again, the same, that we, uh, that we stand up for those who are trodden on society and that we don't value material wealth more than the great goal of heaven that we have. And you shall not bear false witness against your neighbour, that we as God's people are to be a people of integrity and truth, and that there is a reflection of the gospel also. And before we leave today, maybe we can, and and throughout the week, maybe we can be thinking over those and be thinking, how can we model these to the world? How can we show the good law of our sovereign God to the world? As we close, just an encouragement before we close, we strive to follow God's commands. We strive to follow the commands of God that we've read in Exodus 20 um, because we know that they are good for us. See, I love the symmetry that we find in the Bible. I love the symmetry that we see in this amazing piece of literature that God has put together over a course of hundreds of years. You see, the Israelites, the blood of the Passover lamb that protected them, as they were in Egypt, had covered them and had saved them. And it, 50 days later, they find themselves at the foot of Mount Sinai to hear these laws from God. And as we read, if you were to go back, you'd notice that the people of God, they're terrified at the presence of God. It causes them great fear. And the fear amongst them maybe of these laws and wondering how that they could keep them as, as individuals. See, the symmetry we see in the New Testament is when Christ laid down his life and rose again 50 days after, the Spirit of God descends on the disciples in that room on Pentecost and in tongues of fire indwells them. The disciples were not like the Israelites who feared the presence of God. In that moment, God's presence filled them and gave them comfort and joy. And as we close, and Ryan's going to lead us through um, communion in a few moments' time, Let's, let's encourage ourselves before we leave here that we are indwelt with the Spirit of God, that we have the Spirit of God to, uh, to go out into the world and live out the law of God. And we're going to get it wrong so often. We're going to get it wrong so often because we're sinners, because we're not perfect this side of heaven. But we have the Spirit of God to aid us, to keep the law, to love people, to serve people and to reflect the cross. See, in a moment, as I said, we're going to go into communion. Christ died for us. Christ gave his life to forgive us of our sins and to fulfill the complete law for us. And he rose again in victory. He is alive today. And as Christians, we believe that he is alive today in heaven and he will return one day to take us to be with him. And in the meantime, we have this great opportunity to show God's love to the world and to show them Uh, respect, to show them uh, care, uh, to show the integrity of God as well, the truth of God through living out these good sovereign laws that God has given us. So I'm going to pray. And uh, after I've prayed, Ryan's going to take us through through communion. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you um, for this opportunity to open your word, uh, to uh, continue to go through this Exodus account. Uh, to see how you moved through uh, your chosen people, the Israelites. And Father, thank you that you have chosen us if we are yours, if you uh, have uh, called us uh, into uh, the family of God, that you have, you have blessed us beyond measure, Lord. You've given us um, salvation and you've given us um, 
uh, the, 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 uh, you've given us your, your, your love and your blood for our Father and we thank you uh, and Lord I just pray that as we, uh, we go from here you'd help us to consider how we can, how we can serve you um, how we can bless those around us how we can keep these commandments but remind us constantly that even though we fail um, your son Jesus has uh, given us his righteousness and his, his goodness and we stand uh, in, 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 um, in, uh, in a certainty uh, that you have done all the work for us Lord